Welcome to the High and Low podcast, hosted by me, Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. We're getting into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills today, specifically their trip to España, Spain. In an episode that took me an hour and a half to watch, because I had to keep stopping and fact-checking things I was being told. There's a lot packed into this episode. Erica celebrates that she thinks she gets her earrings back. That I was offline for about 30 minutes researching that. So it's either a reading comprehension issue for her, her lawyers. I, I don't know what's happening there. We're going to get into that. And of course, you know, I looked up the Airbnb where they're staying in Spain in case anybody wants to spend $6,581 a night to see if there really are ghosts there. Before we get started, let me share something with you that I just saw, which has to do with that, you know, infamous weed dinner at Kyle's house. As I was opening my phone to scroll around and fact check some of the stuff we were told, a brand new post popped up from an account that just does a hell of a job of covering all kinds of things called Bywig Hello Drama. And it's telling us that the herbal chef who catered that weed dinner where Denise, you know, was in all pink and wasn't making any sense. He has come out swinging in a post on Instagram defending his business because apparently Denise, she went on Jeff Lewis's radio show, Very Big Syndication, and on that show, she's seemingly blaming the catering for how she was acting like, I don't know, you know, she's doing her like all shucks, like, I don't know, maybe something, I mean, who can say? And Jeff is like, well, I guess that must be what happened because of the way you were acting. And it's just like, guys... Weed doesn't do that. And she's saying, well, I've tried it two times before. And I just had a bad reaction. And I don't like it. And Jeff's like, well, maybe. Yeah, because you have a bad reaction to it. And it's like, y'all, she was like that when she got there. Anyway, the handle is the herbal chef on Instagram. And I'm going to read you what he posted. Here we go. At Denise Richards. You are such a damn liar, Denise. It's embarrassing. And you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Let me tell you what really happened. Dot, dot, dot. Denise walked into Kyle's house, absolutely obliterated. Her first slurred words to me were, Do you know who I am? Followed by a bunch of other gibberish that we could barely make out. In every interview since this episode aired, you have acted as if you had no idea what was going on. We must have slipped something in your food or bottled water? Double question mark. Really? Double question mark. We went over how the evening would go with you and everyone else at the table, including specifying how dosage works and that we take our responsibility very seriously, especially when someone would rather abstain from cannabis. It would be detrimental to my business if we left our guests incapacitated, don't you think? See, this should have been such a beautiful moment for cannabis and the positive influence it can have in one's life if consumed responsibly. I can attest to that. We take pride in our work and I have built an unparalleled level of trust with the community and world at large through years, all capitals, of dedication to educating our guests and the curious minds around us through seminars, dinners, expos, and social media. It has been painstaking, all caps, to try and showcase the credibility of the science behind cannabis and its uses. Your feeble ego can't even admit that you have something else going on and arrived under the influence from something else, that you have to try and blame others instead of taking responsibility. Then you have the audacity to say, how could Kyle Richards throw this party if she's sober? Or you think the pretty mess, Erica, said she was effed up? 
You, all capitals, were in another realm, and it was only you, because, spoiler alert, you have some deep-seated issues that you are clearly working through in your own heart. Not surprised one bit that cannabis doesn't agree with you. It has a tendency to mirror one's truest self. And the enablers, dot, 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 at Jeff Lewis, you should be ashamed of yourself, too. Did you not watch the episode and just felt it was your duty to suck up to every single person sitting across from you in that chair? Question mark. Continued. Dot, dot, dot. He's not done. Hold on. He continues it in a comment to the post because he ran out of room in the post description. Anyway, his, this is the continuation. I'm actually surprised you could even speak with your nose that far up her ass. Look, I get that you are trying to stay relevant to this crowd but it's time to take responsibility and have half as much grace as Kyle and Erica and the rest of the gals on that episode. P.S. Your pink jacket was upside down. Clown face. Wow. Your was spelled wrong. Otherwise, good post. And it was Kyle's dinner party. So they probably know each other or, you know, at least she's his client. So he's nice to her. All right, now I've gone back and I've watched both clips in their entirety because before I just skimmed them, watched them for one second, got the gist, and then shared what the herbal chef posted. But now I've watched them in their entirety. Anyway, she's like, I have my suspicion, but like, I don't know. I can't say if it was given to me or not. So this this guy is taking, you know, issue with that. And I would too. That's his business. He would never give someone the cannabis if they'd said to him when they come to the dinner, like, I don't want any. And he was giving very low doses, if you recall. They were talking about like five milligrams, two milligrams. Nobody was getting high doses. I mean, I'm sure if you put like two milligrams here and three milligrams here and four milligrams here, like it adds up. But what they were talking about having people consume at that dinner was extremely low. I remember being like, that's really low. On an, on an average day or something, I'll take, oh, let's plug Cypress Hemp. My favorite hemp year. Cypress Hemp is amazing. They are a small business. They ship to all 50 states. They have a code THANKS15 for 15% off of your first order. After you've placed a first order, I have a code BBDB, BBDB for 10% off. I don't get a kickback from that. That's just a code for people to use because I love it and I just think it's so life-changing. I was excited for that episode. I was excited that they were doing a catered THC dinner. I thought it was really nice, a way to educate the women about it. And you know what? They're acting like they've never done. I think they're just, I don't know if they're doing that for TV or whatever. Like the way that we act around weed, marijuana, THC, whatever you want to call it, is so contrived and ridiculous and good for them sticking up for themselves. I mean, you can't take that laying down. You can't have somebody going on a radio show that's like a very big deal radio show saying like, oh, I don't know, somebody might have slipped. I might have gotten it when I wasn't supposed to get it. What? No, you can't just go around saying that. But I think that anybody who has done THC in their life, anybody who is a fan of the plants, knew immediately, like, that's not from that. She was, there was something else happening there. So good for him sticking up for himself. But I think most of us already knew. And hopefully she clears it up. And Jeff does as well. Let's get into it, though. The Beverly Hills Madness is just beginning. Strap in. The first thing I wrote down about the episode was that Garcelle keeps saying that she can't believe she's taking glam with her on a trip. And it just seems so excessive. It seems so, you know, silly to her to do it. And she's right. It is silly to do. This is what this show has done, specifically Beverly Hills. I think this is Erica's 
legacy. This is Erica doing this. And it's so crazy to me that this is Erica's legacy when we know now that that was all misappropriated funds for the most part. It was a house of cards. It was nonsense. And yet, and now it's the norm. The nonsense has become the norm. So they all have to travel with like hair and makeup just to keep up with each other. And Garcelle, who's a bona fide star, she does not need this show. She is well known. She's won awards. She stays booked and busy. Even she's saying, like, this is a bit much. It is. You're going on vacation. So just a reminder to everyone that that is not normal. That is very odd to bring a team with you to make you look like you're going on a, to go film in a movie or something. You're supposed to just be having dinner with your friends. Some of my favorite scenes of Real Housewives are when they're getting themselves ready and they're talking to each other in the bathroom or they're being silly or they mess up something. I just, I just think that's so funny. But anyway, this is what the show has become. And so Garcelle has trying to keep up with the new normal. And so she's brought hair and makeup. Um, I can't remember who else because I just don't care. It's ridiculous. We go to Sutton after that. And Sutton and her assistant are so funny to me. I really enjoy them. And one of my followers said, how great would it be if they had like a, a joint confessional interview? Because they're so funny together. I would like to see that as well. And Sutton's big thing for this episode is that she's going to Spain and it's meaningful to her because she's bringing the ashes of someone who was very close with her. And this person's name was Merce Cunningham and he was a choreographer, a famous choreographer in the world of ballet. And Sutton knew him personally. They were very close friends. She has either, I think just a portion it looks like of his ashes, because usually when you get someone's ashes, I know from personal experience, it's quite a bit of ashes, but she has a small amount. And so she's going to take those with her and spread them in Spain and have a moment where this person accompanies her on this trip. And her assistant is so funny. He's handling it with like purple gloves as if, as if. We from dust to dust, sir. You don't need to wear the gloves. It's not, it's not, you're not gonna catch anything. We're all on our way to the same place, a Ziploc bag. But to me, not even in a high state, I was like, that you know, him just carrying that bag of ashes with plastic gloves. I thought it was just such an interesting, interesting moment of like that's kind of how we treat death. Like it's something that we can protect ourselves against. And who knows, maybe he was doing it as a sign of respect, like we put on the gloves in order to handle Merce, and I get that, but get some white gloves, maybe. So Sutton's trying to figure out what container she can put this these ashes in that's small enough that she can take it. And of course, you know, you're flying, and so it's like, it, what it can't be, what can it be in? It's probably easiest to just take it in the Ziploc bag and in its original container. You can't take like this giant metal thing or whatever it is she's thinking about doing. And honestly, can't don't we all just hope that we make a good enough impression on someone in this life that they take such care and thought with the bit of remains of us that they have. I thought it was nice. Anyway, they get on the plane. And when they're on the plane, I know that they're in business or first class. I can tell by the seats. So that's good. And Dorit is showing off her Chanel pajamas. And they make a point of telling us at the bottom of the screen that they are $1,217. Yawn. Someone in some tax office somewhere is like, noted. Then Crystal shows her pajamas and she's like, yeah, these were $7.99 on clearance. And that's a smart lady right there. Keep it in the bank, y'all. Keep it in the bank. Sometimes I make myself feel better because I'll just be walking down the street. Oh, this happened in Vegas when I went to BravoCon. I walked through some extremely 
fancy, fancy mall that was attached to, I think it was the Aria Hotel. And it reminded me of like Rodeo Drive, but in mall form. So I'm walking through and I'm looking at, I'm looking at stuff behind the glass. And I'm like, I could buy that if I wanted to. Any of us really could, whether or not you want to use the money that you have or you want to go into debt for it. I choose not to. And I love a nice thing as much as anyone else. I'm not saying don't deny yourself a nice thing. If there's something you've been wanting for a while, like go ahead and get it. The world's on fire. But I am saying like, don't fall into the trap of like, you think you have to have all of these things all the time and whatever. Like I can make myself laugh so hard the other day. It was very cold here. And when it's crazy cold, I got to get out a certain jacket when it's snowing. And I look, I found this old card in our, in one of the drawers in our house. And it was a Christmas card from 2013. And I'm wearing that jacket in the snow. And it is 11 years later. And that's the exact same jacket that I'm still wearing. Whenever it gets really snowy, I get out the snow jacket. And I'm like, I like that. I like that about me. And I feel no pressure to get a new one. Because who cares? Who cares? Do I have to have a new one every year? What happens to the old ones? I knew when I bought it, I was buying my favorite color. I'm good. It's my anti-consumerism de-influencing message of the day for you. And no, we're still not sponsored. I haven't even tried, though. I haven't even tried yet. Eh. I think it honestly, it was just Dorit that triggered me because we all know she allegedly has a bunch of problems financially with owing debts and things like that and and issues. So just seeing her in $1,200, it's just so dumb. And I just, it, something that I was raised on, which is it's not what you make, it's what you spend. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. So you could see somebody who seems extremely wealthy and they could be in so much crippling debt that they're just barely keeping their head above water. And then you see someone who maybe doesn't make as much money as they do, but they have more in the bank, their retirement is taken care of, and they sleep well at night. I would rather be the, the latter than the former. But don't get me started on this. Don't get me started on consumerism and American brand names and labels and stuff. I'm going to go off on that later because you know Kyle brought an Hermes with her. All right, here we go. Barcelona. Barcelona. We are in beautiful Barcelona where we take naps. Oh, the culture of Spain. You know, I wish that they focused more on things like that. I just feel like it's so healthy and I wish we lived more like that here. Just the quality of the food and the way that they live. They all take like a break in the midday and they go and they have lunch with their families. I might just, am I going to move to Spain? I might. We'll see. So they land in Barcelona. And because Sutton is such a good hostess, she says, we're drawing numbers for rooms. We're not racing for rooms and doing all that stuff. And I'm like, thank you. I can't with that. I'm barely over Meredith yelling about not getting a bathtub. And she also plays a game on the Sprinter van, which I thought was so cute. She calls, we're going to, she's like, we're going to play a game. It's called All of a Sutton. And I was like, stop it. You're adorable. Stop it. You're an adorable host of this trip. Let's play this game. And she, it's just questions about her life to see if like the ladies remember things about her and are paying attention to her. And she says like, name one of my cats. And I was like, oh, I love this game so much. And Erica names a correct cat. And they say like, you know, what's my middle child's name? Garcelle gets that one. What car do I drive other than the Bentley? Of course. And Erica gets that right. And of course it's a Ford F-150 because she's just a Southern gal. So Erica wins the game and her win gets her like a tiara from Sutton's store. Sutton. So they get to this place called Villa Catalina. It's a 14th century estate. It was built by a wine producing family in Spain. And the lady says, it's haunted, haunted, haunted. And then Erica says, I knew it. And she's holding wine. 
I have the ability to smell different spirits. And if that's true, if you could, wouldn't you just want to be as good of a person as you could on this astral plane? I think you'd want to, right? Interesting choices she's making. Like I personally, I welcome all ghosts. Ghosts know that they're welcome around me. Maybe it's just watching Beetlejuice at a young age and seeing like the undead and the hijinks they got up to. And I thought that was just kind of funny, but I'm not worried about it. For example, when they pick room numbers, Kyle gets room number two. And I laughed at that. And I said, look at these, look at these ghosts. They had Kyle pick room number two because she's full of crap. She's been giving us nothing but a load of crap this whole season so far. Giving us 8.5 and pulling strings behind the scenes. Take your room number two. You earned it. And then, of course, all of them, you know, Erica, Dorit and Kyle are in like room one, two and three in their own little wing. And they're all flibberty gibbeting, freaking out about the fact that there could be hauntings and ghosts present. And there's like an attic access door that Erica touches. And they're like, don't, 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 there could be ghosts that come out there. And I was thinking, oh my God, I would have so much fun. Can you imagine how much fun you could have with, with those nervous Nellies? I would be cutting eye holes in a sheet within the hour. I'd be scratching on the walls at 3 a.m. I'd come down to breakfast and talk about like vivid dreams that I had and like leave things around the house. The You know what it would be like? It would be like the episode of The Office where Jim convinces Dwight that he's turning into a vampire. I hope you've seen it. I looked it up for you. It's season three, episode seven. The name of the episode is called Business School. Give yourself a giggle. Watch that episode sometime soon. But anyway, it would be too easy. It would be too easy to just have so much fun with that. And I don't think anybody does. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that if Dorinda was there, she would do it. And then they're all putting their clothes away and Dorit's closet rack falls out of... She just put too much stuff on it. But to everybody else, it's like, oh, it's a ghost. And I'm like, yeah, the ghosts don't like her fashion. They don't like her, her style quote, which is just labels. Again, I like these ghosts. And then we get into this big scene where Dorit goes into Kyle's little room and she's like, Kyle, leather pants, not in Spain. Kyle, who are you? This dress is just like dental floss. I get that you have this new body, but really? And while she's saying this to us, her confessional look, her breasts are like slapping me in the retinas. And she's wearing the craziest confessional outfit. And it's just like you gave a 13-year-old a credit card and said, go buy something in a brand name store. And they just picked out whatever. And then she's got these braids in her hair and tons of jewelry on. And it's just like, Dorit, I don't know if you're the fashion aficionado that you believe that you are. And then I was really shocked because Dorit and her confessional is so bold. It is the opposite of who she is on the show. She would never have the bulls to say some of this stuff to these ladies. In her confessional, she's like, is Kyle... Oh, I should do her British accent. Hold on. Is Kyle looking for her next husband in Spain? I mean, she... If anybody else said that, her next husband... Like, she's not... She's not even at the point... At this point in the show, not separated or anything. And this woman is supposed to be her bestie who was so close with her and her husband... I'm just saying, this is the same woman who freaked out on Erica and we had to hear about it for so long because Erica, you know, made a joke at the last BravoCon in 2022 being like, oh, Dorit and PK would have issues or something. I feel like that, I feel like her comment just then was worse than that. But she got into Kyle's head. It worked. 
Because then Kyle is 20 plus minutes late for dinner. Everybody else is already downstairs waiting. And she keeps changing outfits. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No one cares. Go down in your robe. That would be epic. Just be like, I couldn't even think about what to wear. I'm just tired. I'm down here in my robe. That that would be great. That would be great. Personality. But she stays up there forever and she picks an outfit. And of course, she has to bring a bag because she's like the queen. There might not be anything in it, but she wants you to know that she has an Hermes that is pink. And she's going to bring it with her to a dinner that is one floor below where she currently is because she needs nothing in that bag that she can't walk up a flight of stairs for, but you need to look and see that she has that bag. I did not see anybody else with a bag. At this point, to me, it's like if Hermes made a binky or a banky, a binky or a banky, either one. It's like emotional support water bottle kind of a thing for her, but it's it's a bag. It's like on Peanuts when Linus has the banky that he drags behind him. That's That's the Hermes bags for Kyle. So Erica comes down too, and she's got on the tiara that she won from playing all of a sudden game in the Sprinter van. It says like, c'est moi, it's me. And they're all congratulating her on winning the game. And Erica says, I remember things. And they're all like, you're so good. She's like, I listen and I remember things. And I could hear the scribble scrabble of pens on legal notepads across America as legal people feverishly wrote that down to reference that later on when she says, I don't recall. I don't know. What? My, he was a, my husband was a lawyer? Like, no, you have a good memory. We saw you play all of a sudden. You can remember Sutton's cat's name, but you can't remember how 20 plus million dollars got into your LLC. You don't remember signing a document saying that you secured a loan from a lender? For $12 million? Anyway, that's how I see it going when the time comes. So then the chef for the villa comes out and says he's going to make them a nice dinner. And his sister, I guess, is the person who's serving them. It's like a family thing. It's very nice. And of course, they go rabid for this man because he's a man and he's there. And they're like, oh, okay. Mm, all right. Hey. And it's mostly like Garcelle and Erica with a, like a sprinkle of Sutton. But you can tell Sutton's like, like not really putting that kind of energy into it. He looked like he was 23 or 24, like just such a no-go age. But look, have your fun, ladies. You're you're out of the country. Have a good time if you want to flirt with the chef. He was not picking it up. I'm just saying. He was not a flirty. Like it probably didn't even occur to him that they are flirting with him. But he'll see it on the episode and be like, oh, my God. And did I say that his sister is the server? Because his sister is the one who's actually serving the food. So they're like, hey, about the chef. And the sister's like, oh, it's my brother. So now here's a part. Of the episode that was sad to me, they didn't dwell on it. I think they should have a little bit more because Seton has the the ashes, the remains of her dear friend, Merce, the famous choreographer. And even Erica says in her little confessional, like, I didn't know who that was. And Mikey, who's her choreographer, says, like, shame on you. You should know who that was. He was a very important person in choreography. And so she's like, OK, good to know. And Sutton brought his ashes to dinner with her. And she stands up and she opens this little like, it almost looks like a little book. It's just like a tiny little bitty thing that she has the, his ashes in and she opens it to show the ladies. And I don't know who started it. It's better that I don't know because I can't, I can't yell anymore. I've already been mumbling things to myself. Someone starts saying like, oh, is that a Ziploc bag? <laughs> is he in a Ziploc bag? Oh, I hope I don't ever get put in a Ziploc bag. I'm like, I hope I do. I hope somebody puts me in a Ziploc bag and flies me first class to Spain. 
and takes me around and thinks about me and tries to show me to her horribly insensitive friends at a fancy dinner and loves me so much that they talk about me on a show and want people to know who I was and that I was important in their life. Anyway, it was very sad. Sutton got a very sad look on her face and she just kind of like closed it and sat back down. And so she didn't really get to do what I think she wanted to do and honor him at that dinner. And I was really irritated. And Garcelle was a part of that. And I know Garcelle likes to joke around, joke around, but you got to check because if you're joking and Kyle is joking with you, then you're on the wrong side. Quick, hop to the other side of that fence. So then in a confessional, Sutton says, they show a picture of her and Merce and he's older. It's 1999 and she looks great and she's smiling and the light in her eyes, the light in her eyes as she is smiling at this man in this photo. And she says in her confessional, he was a unique person. He didn't mind my quirkiness. He never called me weird. He never said anything bad about me. He liked me. He was one of the most important men in my life. And I was tearing up. I was tearing up because I feel like Sutton said so much just then. She knows that she's quirky. She's saying that he never called me weird, which means like, maybe somebody else has, or maybe she realizes that people have said that about her since she's been on the show. But she's saying he never said anything bad about me. He liked me for who for who she was. And I love that she had someone like that. And I wish that they had listened to her and not been joking about the damn Ziploc bag. Sutton has been very thoughtful and kind and supportive of Kyle during her mourning loss of her friend. I feel like she's a very empathetic person to people when it comes to loss and losing a loved one. And she just, she didn't get that back. It wasn't reciprocated to her. And again, there could be a lot left on the editing room floor. So I'm not judging the whole group. I'm not saying they're all terrible people and they didn't support her. Who knows what was left on, on, you know, the cutting room floor. It was a sad moment to see her try to stand up, share that with them. And then she just realized they were in a jokey mood. They were not going to take it seriously. And she sat back down. But she's, she's a good spirit and she's, Sutton has learned to be on the show, right? So she rolls with it. And so they're all having a good time. They start bringing the food out and it's delicious. And I made a note to myself like, wow, this is rare because Beverly Hills is one of the few cities where you don't ever really see them enjoying food that much. Like you see other franchises really focusing on food a lot more. And we, we see a lot more food and we hear a lot more about delicious meals that they have. Beverly Hills, not so much. The fact that they were all loving it they were describing it. They were like, oh my God, this ham and I think it was like prosciutto and cheese. It looked really good. And then they were having like little gazpacho shooters and it looked like ceviche shooters. It looked so good. And even Kyle, she was like, I love when you travel and they just give you food. You don't get to pick it. And so it forces you to try things that you wouldn't normally order. I'm like, yeah. So out of nowhere, literally no one asked for this. We're all having a great time. Everyone's enjoying the food. Record scratch. 8.5 Anne forgot you were there. She says, I want to address an elephant in the room. And I was like, where? I, there's not. There's literally not. Everybody's having a good time. Like last week was a lot. And, you know, I called Sutton and like, I feel like we're a lot more good now. Like we we work through it more better and stuff. And Sutton's like, mm, you know, the esophagus issue. We're done with that. I did not like that you said lonely and insecure. And so they do a flashback. And by the way, they're letting her off really easily. Sutton is letting her, she's saying, okay, we're done with the esophageal issue. I mean, she didn't even touch 
on the allegations of eating disorder. Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe because she hasn't seen the footage and maybe Crystal and Garcelle didn't tell her all that. I don't know, but she's letting it go and I was shocked. Just saying it's commendable to me that she was willing to be like, whatever. Like I wipe my hands of this. I'm not talking about it anymore. But I do want to address that you said lonely and insecure. And they show the flashback of Anne-Marie at the homeless, not toothless, gala. And she's going off. I think it's at the end of the night. I don't really know. And she's, because I, again, I blocked it out. Look, these things happen and I can't dwell on it or I would know no peace. So I have to let it go out of my brain. And she's going off and she's saying like, I am just feel so lucky that like at the end of the day, like I have this amazing husband and kids and life. And thank God I'm not lonely and insecure. Okay. All right. What was that first part about the amazing... Uh... Husband? Okay, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Uh, whatever. To each their own. The husband who rated you an 8.5 out of 10, he rated you separately for body. I, I can't. <sighs> the husband who right now a woman is saying that he assaulted her and that there were others. Okay. Okay. But we move on. Sutton says, I did not like that. You have three divorcees at this table. I was more lonely, I think, during my marriage because he traveled a lot. And when he wasn't traveling, he was asleep because he worked all the time. You shouldn't use the word lonely. And you can tell right away. I mean, as if we didn't already know this. But 8.5 Anne is the kind of person who is not putting down her walls and taking something in when someone says something to her. She's not coming at it from a place of understanding and empathy. She's coming at it from a reactive place of she does not take criticism well, you can tell. A lot of us are like that. It, take, it can take a minute. It's a group setting. You're on camera, but she is defensive AF to me. And she's like, I can accept that. You can accept it. But then she starts excusing it. She's like, well, several, you know, several of us were angry and we said, I said things I wasn't proud of and I've apologized for them. Okay. And her tone, my God, Sutton's, the look on Sutton's face, look on everyone's face. They're just like, dang, this is going to suck. Like everyone just realizes in that moment, this is going to suck so bad. Like we all know her delivery. She's like, I'm sorry, I called you lonely. And I'm sorry, I called if I, and I'm sorry if you were offended. And she's like going around to the people who are single. Garcelle in a confessional, Garcelle nails it. She's like, if this is her apology, like just don't, because I'm not accepting this. And her tone is just so mean. It's so mean girl. And she's like, I'm sorry if that affected you. And it's the if, it's that classic if apology. That's no good. Toss it, throw it over your shoulder. That's how good that is. And Crystal chimes in, because why not? And she's like, and for calling me insecure, an 8.5 Ann says, oh, we're going to get to you. And I was like, yikes. She has Nurse Ratchet vibes. I've been holding that in for a while. It, I, if she walked into a room where I was ill, laid up, needed help, she's honestly the last person I would want to see. I would rather Mr. Magoo walk into the room. I would rather a nurse on their first day. I would rather a nice nurse on their first day than someone who spouts off about all the stuff that they've got. And I did this and I did that, but they're mean. Forget it. Here's what I wrote down. Here are words that I wrote down as she was talking. Rude, condescending, insincere, curt, annoyed demeanor, irritated is her autopilot. All right. So then this is where it tested me. It really did because 
she starts running this dinner like she's running like a meeting, a team meeting. She's like, okay, now let's talk about the crystal situation. Excuse me? The crystal situation? The crystal situation. Like she's going over topics and line items. Like Crystal's not a person. She's a situation. She's a situation that's going to be on next year. You're not. And she's trying really, like she's really trying to ruin Crystal. She's got Crystal in her crosshairs. The Crystal situation, rather, in her crosshairs. And she's like, when I first met Crystal, she told me you all were not intelligent, no one was educated, and you all were shallow. And I was like, yeah, that describes a few of them for sure. And, but do I believe that Crystal would say that to a a new housewife that she doesn't know? No, not really. Maybe with like three, four drinks in her, she could be like, you know, oh, you know what I think it might be if Anne-Marie was like going off because Crystal said the first time she met her, she said she was a doctor. So if Anne-Marie was going off about all the stuff that she knows and the qualifications she has, and if she did to Crystal say that she was a doctor, then Crystal might be like, hey, just so you know, like if you're a doctor going into this group, like these women maybe not all of them, I'm sure, but you know which ones we're talking about, are not like on that level. So FYI, I could see that happening. And again, I don't flinch at that. You know, some of the stuff we've heard housewives say about each other. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to think this is a bad thing. Legally, that would help Erica. But anyway, Crystal says that's ridiculous. But Dorit, she ran with it. She runs with it like a track star. They show her confessional And she is just, you know how they used to call uh, Alexis Jesus jugs? Dorit's judgy jugs. She's like, you're nowhere near. Oh, I'm not doing the British accent. Hold on. You're nowhere near. Oh, she doesn't do. She's a cockney. Hold on a minute. You're nowhere near more educated, by the way, child bride. While you were married at 12, we were building businesses, college, doing things to educate ourselves. She called Crystal a child bride. Can you believe? She called Crystal a child bride. Crystal was 24 when she was married. They put it up on the screen for us. Crystal has a successful business. Her company sells coconut water, and she's the number two coconut water seller, I think, in the world. By comparison, how's Beverly Beach going? And let's not forget, because I never will, that this is the same group who could not be bothered to read LA Times articles. They could not be bothered to read LA Times articles about Erica's situation with Tom, all the things that were coming out. They were overwhelmed. They just, who, what, when did that happen? And I remember Kyle being like, it's just too long. That article's too long. Oh, was it? What if pictures? Would it, would it be better if we did a puppet show? What would help? for you all to consume information. But they're trying to do Crystal dirty. So they do a flashback to 2020 when she says, you know, these women are savvy, but clearly not highly educated. Again, how is that a dig? Highly educated people, I think of like PhDs, but also asterisk, they have a natural curiosity about the world. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life do not have degrees, much to Wendy's dismay. They are very naturally curious people who educate themselves on any topic that they possibly can. They go to the library. They read books on their own. I think it's also aptitude and reflected in your character of how do you treat people? How do you operate in the world? How do you take in information? You know, if somebody said, if somebody walked up to me on the street and they were like, hey, yeah, I I like Real Housewives, but 
you know, they're not that educated and they're just kind of shallow. I'd be like, that's accurate. For a lot of them, it really is. But, you know, there's some diamonds in the rough. I'm not flinching. Where's the scandal here? But we soon figure out that the bigger issue here is that they, they're like carrying this, this bone that they think that Crystal has always thought she was better than them. And so then 8.5 starts talking to her as if she's known her her whole life. And she's like, this is so like, this is just so you, Crystal. Like you just, you just want to feel like you're better than other people. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, this from the lady who wants to tell us every certification she's ever gotten. She's board certified so that she can gaslight a woman's health. Stop it. And again, an accusation is oftentimes a confession, but she keeps going. And she's like, and you said they were all fake socialites and you were the only true socialite. So again, we cut to Dorit in a confessional being like, oh no, I, yeah, no, I believe that too. I'm like, yeah, I know you do, Dorit. You just don't want to like her. And here's where I about lost it. And I had to take a minute as well. Dorit's like, oh, you're so educated. You don't have to be interesting anymore. No, you're just boring. That was a bit much, but that was the Connecticut Cockney that I'm channeling today. And that's what we get. And I was like, how dare you? How double dog dare you? Judgy jugs, Dorit. Say that about someone when what you have given us this season is a Coca-Cola commercial after a commercial for a hotel package and you're chasing Kyle around, judging her, staring at her and Morgan and sad you're not close with her anymore. What else you got? High and low. The name of this podcast and also where Dorit is looking for a storyline. The nerve. The nerve. And even Garcelle's jumping in on it. And she's like, you know, we all kind of knew that Crystal thinks that maybe she thinks that some of us are not as astute as she is, et cetera. But Garcelle just straight up asks her. She turns her at the dinner table and she's like, did you say that? And Crystal says, you know, I'm offended you would even ask me that. I Have I ever to anyone at this table said I'm a socialite? Have I ever described myself that way? And to her credit, Erica jumps in and she's like, no. And Kyle jumps in too. And she's like, of all the socialites I know, None of them would ever describe themselves as a socialite. And Crystal's like, yeah, that's exactly. And Sweet Sutton, she's like, well, I am a socialite. And I'm like, I know. I know you are. We all know you are. You're not in this. Don't you worry. You and you and Merce just sit down there. You enjoy the gazpacho. But 8.5, she's still going. She's like, yeah, I thought it was crazy that like someone would say that they're uneducated and shallow, you know, to me. Like, I don't, I'm just meeting her for the first time. Like, but... It's, you know, very on brand for Crystal to do that, like, because you just want to feel like you're better than people. Again, she's talking to her as if she's known her for a, a lengthy duration of time. And then here I was tested as well. I was tested with Kyle doing her confessional. Kyle's confessionals have been really spicy. And again, we hope that these get called out at the reunion. And she's like, well, you know, obviously there's something about Anne that provokes Crystal because Crystal is usually one who is reserved. I've just never seen her like this. I've never seen her have a response like this with someone. And I'm like, do you mean like you and Sutton? Because Sutton sets you off something fierce, but you don't have any introspection about that one. And then 8.5 says something. And she's like, well, this all just goes back to your insecurity, Crystal. And I'm like, are, what are you, playing psychologist now? And Crystal says in her, her confessional, 8.5 Anne, she's antagonistic, she's combative, and she's, and she says, divisive. And I was like, hold on now, say that in my good ear. And then I had to pause. I was like, I think it's divisive. That's how I've always said it. And I was an English major. 
And I said, well, let me hold on a minute. Let me pause this. Let me pause this. And I stopped and I went to the dictionary online and they pronounce it for you and is divisive is how they say it. Now, I have been called out because I used to say herbs, herbs, because I just like to pronounce that H. I don't like that there's a silent H there. And that is the way you can pronounce it in Europe. They say herbs. In America, most people say herbs. And I say aunt because I do have an aunt. I do not have a gigantic insect aunt that is my mother's sister. I have an aunt. Anyway, my point is potato, potato. But I was just like, mm, I think it's divisive. And it is. But we've all been there. Like I remember, for me, I'm such a visual person. When I read something, I say it differently than when I'm thinking about a word. Like the word facade, I effing hate that word. And it starts with an F. I hate the word facade. I love using it. When I read it, I always read it facade. I, I will just always read it that way. It's just how my brain works. But either way, it's one of those words. There's a lot of words like that in the English dictionary that it's just, it's amazing that people can even can like learn English because we do such weird things with our words. It's just like the, well, that's just how it is. That's just the English thing. We just do that. I don't know. So shout out forever now and always to the English as your second language people because pff, slow clap, slow clap. It's a rough language to learn. And I'm like, you know, maybe Crystal did that on purpose. Maybe she knows that it's divisive and she pronounced it divisive because she wanted to be like, look, I didn't even pronounce that word right. How I'm not smarter than you all. We all make mistakes. Brilliant. But anyway, we have to move on. Then 8.5 Anne says, you're acting like a hormonal teenager. And I'm like, you have the nerve to say that to her and you're sitting there wearing a necklace from Claire's Boutique. She literally looks like she was cast to be in Mean Girls. But Anne's not done. 8.5 Anne then says, you know what else? I want, and we saw this in the previews from last week, so I knew it was coming, which was great. I was braced. She says, I want a thank you for making your ass relevant. And to me, this is a classic case of a housewife practicing a line at home, throwing it down, really thinking they're doing something. We've seen it time and time again, when in actuality, they just poured a bucket of water over the entire scene. It was bad. It ruined the whole dinner. Everybody was like, you're stop. You're not doing what you think you're doing. So Erica says like, oh God. She like literally puts her head in her hands. Sutton pulls her tiny arms up over kind of her face. Everyone is cringing, physically cringing. And Anne's still not done. She's like, don't take my kindness for weakness. And Crystal, like all of us say at the same time, when have you been kind? And Anne's like, I'm always kind. And I'm like, compared to what? Compared to what? Are you kind? You're the worst. Literally the meanest lady that I've seen in a really long time on TV. So literally everybody just gets up and leaves the table after that. Kyle's like, I'm out of here. I got to go. Everyone just gets up and walks away. They just need to be cleansed from what just happened. And we fast forward later on, they show Garcelle getting up out of bed in her jammies. They don't say how much they cost. And she goes to go to Sutton's room because she's like, it's 1 a.m. I'm scared. I don't want to sleep by myself and I need a snack. <laughs> she goes to Sutton's room and she and Sutton, you can tell how close they are. And it's just so nice to see real, real friends, you know? And they're giggly and Garcelle like makes fun of this hat that she's going to wear, which I do love Sutton and I love a hat, but this hat is the opposite of a hat. It's, it's an anti-hat because the brim, the front part of it, there's two things cut out. Like they're supposed to be mock sunglasses, but where the lenses would go on top of the brim, they've cut holes. So if you physically pulled the brim down over your eyes, it would be like little Batman eyes. I'm sure you're not supposed to do that, but that's what I would do. So when you're walking around outside, the sun's going to shoot down on your face. And it's the opposite of what a hat's supposed to do for you. 
And she's like, wait till you see the whole look. It looks so good with the whole look. Anyway, I already looked it up. It's by Marnie. She said it's $535 for a hat that lets the light hit your eyes. So maybe next season it'll be like shoes, but you've cut the bottoms out. <laughs> so it does the opposite of what a shoe is supposed to do, but those can be like $700. I think that's a good idea. But they're so cute. And they do flashbacks of the last trip where they shared a room and Garcelle wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> and Sun was up reading. And Garcelle's like, please, for the love, I need to go to sleep. And Sutton's like, I just downloaded a book on tantric sex. Do you want me to read it to you? And she's like, no, let me sleep. They're just funny and interesting. And Sutton is, again, such a joy this season. But the next morning, what happened to dinner is what everybody is talking about. So Sutton goes to visit Crystal, Erica, and Dorit. See, that's how forgettable she is. Put her on pause, y'all. Put her on pause. Anyway. And the whole thing is, do we believe Crystal or do we believe Anne? And I can't even believe we're having this conversation. But Anne is talking to Garcelle and she's like, I don't lie. And I'm like, well, you already have a couple of times. You've tried to tell the world that Sutton has an ED. You've planted that seed. You've tried to tell the world that Sutton is lying. You straight up said like, I will. I've only known her for two point seconds, but she's already told me blah lies. And it's like, well, that's a lie to accuse her and say that she's been lying. What are we saying here? Why are we giving this woman this opportunity to now tell you that someone else is lying? We've already done this. So the bottom line is everybody's pretty much saying like, well, this follows along with how we think Crystal sees us. So there's probably some truth to it. Dorit's going hard on it like, oh, I absolutely. And Erica's like, well, yeah, there might be some threads of truth. But Sutton's saying to Crystal, like, keep sticking up yourself because what she's saying isn't nice. And she talks about how Crystal... And uh, and her had issues in the beginning years ago when they first met. That's a very different situation to me. Apples and oranges. This lady came in out of nowhere using her expertise as a healthcare professional. To, I won't even, you know, you know the story. I'm preaching the choir here, but it's very different. So then just when Erica is seeming like a redeemable character, especially in this episode, she brings us back to reality, just slaps us across the face and reminds us who she really is because she's excited. She's just gotten an email and the ladies are all sitting down and she says, well, I'm going to share some very good, happy news. And I was like, oh, and she says, I think it's important, especially to you, Crystal. I was like, what is this? And she says, district court appeal on earrings reverses opinion. They can't prove it was actual client money. That bought the earrings. And I was like, wow, are you trying to help Crystal in her fight against 8.5 Anne? Because the earrings were absolutely bought with client funds and they did prove that. So I don't understand what's being said right now. And then I start feeling crazy and I'm like, what, what? And so then I go offline for like a solid 30 to research and reread and reread again. And I'm going to read you what the Bravo docket also posted about this because I was like, am I crazy? I was like, is the, is the sun in the sky? Is the grass green? Is the sky blue? No, all those things still check out. Okay, I'm going to read you the Bravo Dockets post. And they said, did a court actually rule that Erica was right and that the earrings were not purchased with clients' funds? And then they give you the, the background, which is that, you know, Gerardian Keys, bankruptcy, da-da-da. Okay, specifically, Tom Girardi wrote a check from a client trust account. A huge no-no. Not his money, client's money. Let's make that really clear. The money was supposed to be for clients, 
No lawyer is supposed to touch their client's money, their settlement funds. But on March 2nd, 2007, that account, which was the Girardi Keese Resolin Trust account known as RTA, wrote a check from that client account to M&M Jewelers. The amount was for $750,000. The check was signed not just by Tom Girardi, but from Girardi Key's partner, James O'Callaghan. He has since passed away, and his wife is also trying to recoup funds from that firm for various reasons I can't get into right now. But anyway, those two partners from Girardi Key's, Tom and James O'Callaghan, signed that check, and money was taken out of a client fund given to a jeweler. It is just that simple to understand. Now, the trustees, they, decide, they discovered this and they were like, uh-oh, those earrings were not purchased with his own money. Those were bought with client money. They should not have those. This should go into the pool of money that, that pays the people that they owe. And that's where this whole earring thing started was the bankruptcy trustee. Bankrupt, why? Because there's so many people who were owed money by Girardi and Keese that need to get paid back. Many of those people were former clients who were stolen from. Other people are lenders that he borrowed money from and didn't pay back. So when Erica refused to hand over the earrings, even though they showed them like, no, 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 this was client money that he bought these earrings with. That's where this whole thing started getting really ugly because she would not let these earrings go. So her first argument was that the bankruptcy court is barred by a statute of limitations because the earrings had been in her possession since 2007. She's saying, why are you trying to take these earrings from me? I've had these for so long. These, these can't be something that you're going to take and recoup. She lost that argument. So then she came back with another argument. When I say she, I mean her legal team. And then this time they argued that the bankruptcy court failed to prove that the earrings were property of the bankruptcy estate. And the Bravo docket makes it clear. They say this is important because the bankruptcy court only has authority over property belonging directly to Tom Girardi or Girardi Keese. So because Tom used client money to buy the earrings, they never actually belonged to him. And because they didn't belong to him, what she's gloating about in that episode is that a judge said, these don't belong as part of the bankruptcy thing because they don't actually belong to Tom or the law firm. They belong to the clients of that diabetes case. And even the Bravo docket, they're asking, was she lying to the audience or was she not educated on the court's unequivocal holding that the earrings were purchased with client funds? This woman's not reading stuff. So this is making Crystal's argument for me, honestly. Just read the documents yourself. And if she truly believed what she was saying on the episode, she needs to take that up with her lawyers because they're not explaining things well enough to her. Anyway, Bravo Docket says, the earring dispute has been remanded, that means sent back to the bankruptcy court. Erica and the bankruptcy trustee both filed lengthy briefs, which we will likely discuss in an episode. We all look forward to that episode, Bravo Docket. And they say, so far, the court doesn't seem to be finding Erica's arguments particularly credible. And the Bravo Docket ladies are so cute. Angela and Sassy, they ended it with a little picture of Crystal saying, we hope this post made you feel more educated about the court proceedings over the earrings. We hope it made Erica feel more educated about the court proceedings over the earrings. The earrings that belong to the diabetes case clients. 
Where are they? They need to come get their earrings. Can you imagine? Can you even? I cannot even fathom fighting that hard for $750,000 earrings that without a doubt were paid for with client funds and spending so much money and time. Her lawyers aren't free. She's probably spent half the cost of the earrings fighting for the damn earrings. Channel Elsa, let it go. Let it go. They weren't yours. They were never yours. Like buy a big pair of just cubic zirconias and sleep well at night. But that's a scary thing, y'all. I'm saying that because that would be my problem. She probably sleeps great. She probably sleeps great. Just because she's having a good season and she's being nice on the show. Keep it in perspective. But anyway, she keeps going off. She's like, see, you see, I told you so. I told you to wait, to not judge me just yet. And I was right. And even Garcelle in her confessional is like, I wish she would just give these earrings to the victims. And Garcelle's thinking, even if they weren't purchased with client funds, just give them the earrings. And we know that they were purchased with client funds. And then Erica's got the gall. She's like, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that the ladies, you know, didn't give me more like kudos, essentially. And they weren't, you know, excited for me. And after all their doubts and all their whatever, I get a I get a positive ruling. What does positive mean to you? It wasn't a positive. It's just like when she tried to spin that other one. It just got shifted from Chicago to Los Angeles. And she's like, dismissed. And we're like, yeah, it was dismissed because they're just moving the case from Chicago to Los Angeles. Not because, not because you won, but this is where I could go mad. And so I must let it go. But karma's a bee and we love the little ghosts that live in that villa because she whacks her head when she's getting into the van. And that's the kind of ghost I want to be. So I'm unclear where they were going because I was so caught up in all of these things that were happening and stopping and researching stuff. But they go to somewhere that requires them to drive on extremely windy roads. Crystal gets super car sick. She has to get out of the car. We've all been there where you're just like, I can't be in this car anymore. Sutton's burping in the backseat. It's bad. And so they get out of the car. Crystal gets out. Twice she gets out. First time she gets out just to get just for a minute, just to get herself together. And then she's got to get back in it and go to their final destination. You can hear a producer saying to her, like, Crystal, we're close. I promise we're close. And she gets out when they finally get where they're going. And she has to just like sit for a minute. And the veins, they did show it for a second. The veins on top of her hands were huge. They were like the blood was pooled. And I don't know if it's because her hands were down, like she was kind of putting her head down or what. I would have been like, put your hands up. Let's try to get that blood flow. And of course, everyone's like, well, where's Anne? You know, 8.5 Anne is the nurse. And uh, Kyle and her confessional is like, well, isn't this something? Now, Crystal is at 8.5 Anne's mercy. I'm like, the hell she is. Don't. The hell she is. They've got doctors on call. Anne is not going to be the one to like save the day here at all. And Kyle's so dramatic. She's like, gets her phone out. She's like, I'm going to call 911. Like, oh, yeah, that's what they need. Then we get into previews. Uh, looks very emotional. Sutton and, and Kyle sobbing in a, a small church setting and Sutton saying she wishes she'd been a better friend to her. And Kyle saying, you know, she, she was a good friend to her and they're crying together. And then later on in the next episode, Sutton is crying very hard. And I, it's just like a heartbreaking cry to watch. She says, a lot of this, you know, has my dad wrapped up in it. So you realize that it must be 
the moment or day or time frame when she's going to spread Merce's ashes and a lot of things come up for her. So that's going to be the next episode. Everybody, everybody buckle up for that. It's going to be very emotional. But right now I'm going to read you the description of the Airbnb they stayed in called Villa Catalina in Barcelona, Spain. It is a secluded 400 acre estate in the Penedes region. I don't know if I said that right. The space is an exquisitely renovated villa. It is set within 400 acres of private secluded grounds, offering spectacular views of the wine region. It's well-equipped to handle large groups, has ample spaces for your party to spread out. That's good. There's a spacious, fully-equipped kitchen and handsome dining area for up to 30. Wow. Satellite TV, DVD player, CD, Wi-Fi, and fitness room. I want to see the fitness room. Why not challenge someone to a game of table tennis or football or try out the video gaming? Hmm. Extensive outside facilities, a private swimming pool, a large patio and lounge area, alfresco dining with seating for 18. This is interesting. The property also features a unique, traditional Catalan stone shepherd's hut. I don't know what that is. This is so interesting. I looked it up and I guess it's a shepherd's hut that's an enclosed area for gathering sheep. The villa can accommodate up to 30 guests overnight in 15 bedrooms. Wow. And as I said, this 15-bedroom villa is $6,581 per night. Or in Dorit math, 5.4 pairs of Chanel pajamas. And you know what? In an effort to rage against the Dorit and the foolishness of dumb spending, drop me a line, drop me a DM on Instagram's and let me know what is the oldest article of clothing or something that you own that you bought forever ago. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be clothes. It could be anything, but something that you bought that you still use and it's been a really long time. What is, how old is it? And what is it? Let me know. And I'll shout you out on the next pod. And on that note, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, rate it if you like, subscribe to the YouTubes. I'm working on a few dive episodes for this podcast as well as also figuring out how the heck do I have somebody join me and discuss something? (laughs) We're going to figure it out. We are a team of one. There's only I in this team, and we're working hard on that for you. Until then, don't be like Dorit. Don't call someone boring and a child bride when your storyline is that you've become a walking advertisement. (laughs) 